We'll do that again because it's just a shit joke that just keeps going on and on and on. It's fucking podcast. Everyone listens different times. We know that. Hola! <laughs> Welcome to the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Mitch, your host for this episode. And with me, as always, is Joe. Hello, Mitch. How are you? I'm good. Another chilly night here in Melbourne as we record. Chili, don't bring up Chili. They beat us in the World Cup last week. See, I'm not dubious free kick. I'm not a real soccer fan. I haven't watched any of the World Cup. I mean, no real soccer fan by calling it soccer. True. <laughs> yes. So, how about we start with games? That's games. A good idea. Have you been playing anything? I have been doing a lot of gaming over the on these boxes of X's. Yes, mainly on the Xbox. Mm. I've played a little bit of Candy Crush as usual, but we don't talk about that anymore now that you've disbanded the Candy Crush family. No regrets. No regrets. No That's regrets. Good. No. See, King even sucked some more money out of me and got me to download Bet Rescue. You fool. Yes. The kids like it. Anyway, real gaming. Yes. We both have been playing a little bit of Xbox, and we mentioned on the last episode how we both got Peggle 2. Yes. We've now both officially finished Peggle 2. Well, I finished all every board. Yeah. Or if you call it a board or screen or whatever. But I haven't maxed out every screen. So no. there's sort of three objectives per screen that you can get to achieve everything and i've got like some i've got one some i've got two a lot of them i've got three and i was going back to do three on everything and then i got to a point of like why am i doing this <laughs> I've, I've played this game i'm you know i'm staying up stupidly late to play again yeah and it was achieving nothing and i just felt sort of at the end of it going that was a big waste of time so i stopped yeah and, and i think i've probably got to the same point same as you i, I managed to finish all the challenges finish all the trials watch the credits and then just go back and try and you know clear every board and get the little ace scores and stuff like that but then yeah i got to a point where i was like do we really need to be doing this but it was fun i enjoyed and it yeah i think there is dlc coming because there's a little coming soon yes. icon and it's yeah it will not be free no of course it won't i mean that's the funniest thing is like how much did it cost 12 dollars 15 15 i think it was yeah right now i i played it first on the ds now yep. i may have got it through some sort of means that didn't cost anything but that would have been a 30 dollars game i assume possibly yeah and the full game on the ds is a lot of levels we're talking 100 levels or something yeah, I, think, I think in so. the first peggle yeah now then next i got it on the ipad and the iphone which cost a grand old total of five dollars was it i thought it was free on the on the ipad no Oh, okay. The PC version was definitely free. Yeah, so it was like $5. And again, you got your 100 levels. Yep. Now, this is how many? Five per five level, five per masters. Ten, so 50. And was it 50? That 50, many. 50 and then 50 trials. So it's it, technically it is 100 levels. Is it really 100? Didn't feel like 100. There's five masters and there's... There's five in each. Ten each. Ten in each. Oh, okay. So, yeah. All right. It just didn't seem like much. But then okay. some of the trials were just teaching you how to do your skill shots and stuff. So it's like one shot and you've done the mm. trial. So they're pretty pretty pissy really so it seemed no, i don't know I, and, I, and it caught, yeah it just didn't seem as good a value as the ipad version was no and, but, and the fact that there is more coming soon so mm. they will get money out of me don't get me wrong well we mentioned the whole idea of the challenges in peggle and i didn't think there was ever going to be a game that was going to be as addictive as peggle but then right off the bat i jumped straight out of peggle and i've jumped into another game called pool nation Mm-hmm. which you put me onto a little while ago because it, it was, was in cheap. one of the Christmas sales or something like that. Somewhere two bucks. 
and yeah, I think I missed it the first time it was on sale. And then the second time it came around, I thought, well, yeah, two bucks. I missed it both times, apparently. (laughs) I thought I downloaded it. I went to play it. And I was like, oh, would you like to buy the full version? I was like, but I'm sure I already bought this. So I paid full price for it, which was around the $12, but it doesn't matter. Well, basically, it's a 3D fancy looking pool game. Pool simulator. Yeah. And yeah, again, it's so much like Peggle that you have to beat someone in the in the game but there's also little skill challenges. shop challenges you, you need get to three, challenges three challenges per exactly. game which you have to achieve and it's all about putting a ball in a certain area trying to get in the hole it's very similar and I mean I'm playing it in baby mode or the start at the moment and so you have these assists on where you you can see where the ball's going to hit and it's got a little line telling you where the ball's going to go which yep. makes things so much easier for you, I, I'm still no good at it. But then I'm not very good at real pool, and I and I think I have the same problem on this video version of pool that I get overexcited and go, "Yeah, I'm going to make the shot," and then I hit it too hard and it misses completely. But, but I then, mean, physics-wise, it's amazing. Yeah, like it, it can do amazing things, and it's fun. But like Peggle, but a lot quicker than Peggle, I have given up on it already. <laughs> Like, I have played a lot of it, and it got to a point where I spent two nights in a row where I didn't get, I didn't stop. I was playing it, started playing about 10, 10.30, got to 11.30 going, all right, one more game and I'll go to bed, and 12.30 both times. I'm just like, why am I still here? What am I doing? And I, at the end, I was like, what have I achieved tonight? Fuck all. Yeah. Because it's sort of like, literally, I have just played 25 games of pool <laughs> against nobody. You've had lots of characters, haven't you? But But they're nobodies. Exactly. (laughs) It means means absolutely nothing. I've come through and I have achieved fuck all for the night. And I'm sort of like, no, this is ridiculous. So I don't mind if it was up against you. I'd have another, I'd love a game or going against people I know online or something like that. Not a problem. But it's like, because you're not actually unlocking anything. No. You you go through a tournament and you unlock opponents, but that opponent means nothing. It's not like you get characters. You don't get things you can change. Yeah, you can't see them. I mean, you can get new different coloured balls or a different graphic on your cue stick, which really means nothing. Yeah. And yeah, and the whole idea of unlocking these characters, if you're going to use that character when you play, it makes no difference how you play because it's you playing. You, yeah, and you can't see them anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it means it really means nothing. So it's sort of like, hmm, as, as fun as it was and as easy <laughs> and as good as it was, I realised it was ridiculous that I was doing this. So I know it's no different to playing freaking Borderlands or Saints Row or Grand Theft. If I progress in a story, at least I've achieved something by moving forward in a narrative that someone has written yep. and people have programmed for and I've got closer to the end of something. Yeah. With this, I, I suppose it's no different to racing cars. Yeah, probably. It, it's a whole tournament idea. You start off and you work your way through to the final boss sort of thing. Mm. And they, they turned it up a bit. It was all like win one game to win. And then when you get to the very last guy in the tournament, it's two out of three. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's good. But it just was like time is, is you know, of the essence. Yeah. And we don't, I don't have a lot. So therefore, I really should use it more wisely than spending two and a half hours playing pool, I think. So yeah. I'll get onto a stupid game like Bulletstorm or something exactly. next. Because that's so much better for me. But anyway. It's funny. We were talking off air before we started to record. And we hadn't really talked to each other much about Pool Nation since we played together last week. And then I happened to sort of say that I was struggling a little bit and then I used the top-down view to have a look at the table. And then I realised that I played pretty much all of my games from then on the shitty top-down 2D view rather than doing the whole yeah, fancy it's, 3D Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful-looking game. It's got amazing 3D textures. You've got this 3D look you can put to it. But to make it easier or to line up a shot, you just push the Y button and it gets a top-down view and you go between back and forth between the two. And the thing that probably... And this is when I realised, what am I doing? 
is I sort of got into top-down mode to to do one shot, and then I'm just like, quick, 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 yep. let's finish this game as quickly as possible, next game, quick as possible, and I'm staying in top-down mode. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what am I doing? Why? Exactly. Am I enjoying myself? Why am I doing it as quickly as possible? I'm not, you know, I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. It reminds me there was a, a game back in the 80s that was in the arcades that was like a top-down pool game. I can't remember what it was called now, but I used to play that a little bit. I was never very good at that either, but I played that a little bit in the arcades back yeah, but other than that, I've spent, as, as you said, I've spent more time than I needed to in that. But I have also felt that I've been a little bit more on top of gaming as well. And I've finally played one of the free games from Games for Gold <coughs> in the month that I downloaded it. So I've been playing Saints Row 3 that Joel actually mentioned that he enjoyed on the last episode when he was here. And I think I'm probably about six hours into that. But I've fallen into the trap of that as well, that I've done a few story missions, but then I've spent a, a lot of time just aimlessly wandering around the world. And but at least property. it's a world where you're discovering new things. And- yeah, because well, your progression missions and there's also controlling the city, which is I've been doing a little bit of and like breaking up opposition gangs and stopping their operations and buying properties to own bits of the yeah, city. So, so at least there's a difference in gameplay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's fine. But no, I'm really enjoying it. Is it's it funny? Like I had it, is the humour throughout? Is it really well done that way? I, I don't know if it's this humour throughout. There's funny bits in it and there's, well, yeah, I guess there's humour in it. Depends how you play. Like I'm very much a you know, music off limited listening because I'm playing at night when the kids are asleep and I don't want to make too much noise sort of thing. So I'm playing quite quietly and I'm normally listening to like a podcast in the other ear sort of thing. So I'm not probably picking up on a lot of the ambient sort of humour. But yeah, I guess it's funny. Cool. I, I downloaded in the freebies, so I'll be uh, checking that out. There's good mechanics in the shooting, it seems to make sense. The driving's kind of fun. It gives you little challenges as well as the main missions, so the side missions. And the one thing that I really enjoyed, the first Saints Row when I played that, they have the insurance fraud, which is basically you just run in front of cars and throw yourself on the ground and you have to like rack up as much damage as you can on yourself to, to earn a, a rank sort of thing. Have so you I've been killed anyone that. with a dildo yet? No. Is that this game? Yeah, it is yeah. that game. Yeah. I haven't actually bought the dildo from the uh, weapon shop yet. Okay. I'm sticking to shotguns and pistols at the moment, but yeah, it's out there if I want it. The customization is pretty cool. Did you make yourself or did you have fun? No, I've kind of made myself. Uh, a bit more tattoos than my normal self. Pretty impressed, actually. There's a t-shirt that actually has trash written on it, so my gamer tags trash, and <laughs> it just seemed appropriate that I was running around with a t-shirt with my name on. Mm-hmm. So yes, but no, I recommend that. That was fun. And the only other thing I've been playing is one of the games that was on sale last week. I picked up for, I think it was $1.60, a side-scrolling 2D beat-em-up called Invincible Tiger. It's like Karateka sort of game back for anyone as old as me. Yeah, basically. It's that or, what was that, Bruce Lee Kung Fu one or something like that? Shaq Fu? No, not Shaq Fu. It might have been Yi Kung Fu on the Commodore 64 back in the day. Mm -hmm. But it's, yeah, it's a bit more graphical than that and yeah that's kind of fun interesting you know i played that for a couple of hours played the first levels but i don't know if i'll go back to it it's one of those things that's we were talking about the the whole idea of platform side scroller beat-em-ups and this month games for gold they've just released charlie murder as one of the games that you can get and i remember we tried the demo and when i mentioned it to you you didn't even remember that we tried the demo and you're like well if you want to play something like that we'll go back to scott pilgrim yeah, I've already got that. Yeah, yeah I, side scroll. I've got flashback there, which is a side scroller. That's not really beat 'em up, though, is it? That's a side scrolling adventure. Sort of yeah, thing. puzzle slash yeah. shooter. Yeah. yeah, but still haven't bought myself to it. Like I bought it because I was excited because I loved it on the Mega Drive. 
Yeah. But then the reviews haven't been too kind to it, so I just haven't been inclined to go back to it because I looked at how long to beat and it was like six hours long. I was like, because oh, I played the demo at PAX last year. Yeah. And it was just a bit, oh, six hours of that. Did you buy that when it was on full price yeah. or did you buy it on sale? No, it might have been sale, but still. I yeah, bought. I think I bought it on sale, but yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, scrollers. I think because everyone was that generation of gaming, like Mega Drive and Nintendo and everything, and it was all about Mario and Sonic and those sort of things. Yeah. Where I didn't get in rapidly like everyone else, but everyone's still excited about side scrollers. Where I wanted something else out of gaming, so it wasn't until the next generation that with Doom and things like that, where I think I got that. Yeah. Where well, I don't know. I can remember having quite a few nights playing like Fatal Fury or Double Dragon and those sort of like side scrolling beat 'em ups. And really enjoying that sort of stuff, even back in the arcade days, playing that. Now, I must admit, I did have a chipped PlayStation 1, and I had a Fantastic Four game for the PlayStation 1, <laughs> which is essentially a 3D version of the 2D beat-em-up side-scrolling. Yeah. And it's terrible. Like, this is the shittest game ever. And I played it with my mate twice, where we went through, and it got to a point where it glitched. So we played it again. <laughs> and it glitched so it was again. another two and a half hours or three hours to the point where it glitched. And we thought we were near the end. And yes, so we sat through that piece of shit twice and it glitched at the same point. So whatever the problem was. Mm. So mm. I'm not a big fan of that side scrolling beat up. The thing is that for me, it's like Temple Run and Jetpack Joyride and all these sort of things where it's literally the same thing. Yeah. That you're constantly doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And then, oh, this guy's harder to beat. Oh, now you've got two of those harder to beat guys. And it just builds up. And things like Double Dragon and that, nothing changed. I mean, you could pick up a chain or something and had a weapon or a baseball bat or a rubbish bin or something. Yeah. You didn't power up like you do or level up like you do in other sort of games. So it's literally you are the same versus the same and you're doing it again and again. And I understand why back then because it was in a penny arcade and they wanted you to put another 40 cents in. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I didn't get enough out of it when you put those sort of things into, you know, onto the consoles. But the one I did grow up with was Kid Chameleon, which I absolutely adored on the Mega Drive because you changed what you power up. I mean, you couldn't just pick what happened was you with this kid who put on a, a mask and whatever hat or mask you put on you got different powers so back then it was such an amazing thing so if you got um like a hockey mask a goal a hockey goalie mask you got a machete and you could chop through people if you put on a rhino helmet you could go through walls and okay. one you could fly and things like that and it was just so much fun and to get through sort of the level sort of platformer you needed this certain helmet to get through that level so it's not like you could choose between one or the other and there's two ways of doing it pretty much they gave you the the, the hat you needed yeah but it was still a real fun i love that game and i never finished it and it was back when you didn't have I think you may have had save codes that yeah, you could I was, load I was in. about to say, did it have like a password at the end? The- yeah, I think it may have had that, but I remember we left it on all night one night so we could play it the <laughs> next day because we didn't want to have to go through all that again. And uh, it was back when you could hire... There was a place called HiVid, I think it was, in Greensboro. And it was a video game rental place, okay. like a video library for video games. And you could actually hire consoles and things like that. Yep. And yeah, we never, I never owned Kid Chameleon, just borrowed it, and I think I borrowed it a couple of times and tried to get to the end and never did, so with emulators and that, now I could probably find it. Back in the whole, like, SNES and Mega Drive sort of era, and coming into, like, the N64 era, that was quite a big deal, the, going to the video shop and hiring a, a video console. I can remember I hired quite a few, and when I lived... The so console the, or the games? I hired a console once. I think I hired a, an N64 before I bought one, and then I sort of played it and thought, yep, I'm going to buy one. And the video store near us, you could actually hire, like, import games, and they gave you the converter with it to play, and oh, I remember right. playing 
like a couple of like imported Japanese shoot 'em up type spacey type games that were mm-hmm. quite cool. But yeah, you don't really. Like, I, I remember now, like when I first got my Xbox. I can remember, like, my original Xbox, not my 360. I can remember hiring a game from the video store. Well, we talked about it with the 360 at one point because we, were, we weren't buying that many games because the second-hand ones weren't as cheap. Yeah. We were talking about when new games came out, going, do we really want to play that? We should just hire it. Yeah. And then just get it done with. Because if it's six hours long or 12 hours yeah, long, exactly. you could finish it in a week. But we never actually got around to doing it. I don't know if there's any video libraries around anymore anyway. But No, I don't think so. I'm definitely not a member of any at the moment. We've never had, like, the the equivalent of Gamefly or whatever here in Australia, so we've missed out there. But I'm sure there is quite a big hire market overseas. A lot of people hire their games rather than buying them. I'm sure Blockbuster here has something. Oh, they do. But But I I think they were quite expensive. I think it was, like, you know, 20 bucks for a a weekend or whatever. Oh, that's just stupid. a lot of the time, if you just waited a few months, you could buy the game for 20 bucks. Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, speaking of gaming, they've just had the big E3 conference E3. Now, you over think, in the States. You think we'd devote this whole episode to it, but I really haven't cared. Well, last year, we went and watched all the videos, all the presentations. This year, all I've watched is the Xbox one, because I thought that'll tell me what I need to know. Yeah. And full credit to Xbox at the start, saying we're only going to focus on games at yep. the start. That's what they said. So there's no, no, there was no Skype chat, which I know was a really, really <laughs> fantastic demo to watch on stage as two people Skyping. Yeah, it was all about games, but there was nothing that blew me away. Like it was Sunset Boulevard or whatever it's called. Sunset Overdrive. That one. Yeah, I mean, that looked yeah. interesting, but for more reports, it's just a shoot 'em up that looks exactly. like Tony Hawk. Yeah. You know, on rails. I mean, it looks great. And the, I mean, the, all, the, all the I's or P's or 1080P's or whatever the graphics are, it... it they look good on yep. the game, but you got more Halo, you got more Forza, you got more of everything you've seen before. A new Call of Duty, wasn't it? Yeah, a new, a new Assassin's Tom Creed, something. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, there wasn't anything like brand new IPs that really jumped out. No, because I, I, I was waiting because I didn't have time to watch everything this time. So I thought yep. I'll wait for the buzz to come out and say, "Oh, you've got to see this, you've got to see that," and nothing. There was no buzz out of it to hmm. say this is the new thing that's going to, you know win for somebody else you know it's like oh you know microsoft blew it out of the water or sony's done this none of them if anything i mean nintendo sort of they win the same people over with the same oh we got new zelda so everyone gets excited but but they don't even bother going to e3 they just like live stream a a pre-recorded press conference which is fine and i think i may have said it on here before but i reckon nintendo have got a chance to sort of win in the next year because i think everyone who who wants a playstation or xbox have already got it yeah so and this E3 showed that there's nothing no one's going to jump going oh I need to get my Playstation 4 now because the next Uncharted's out maybe that'll be it if you're an Uncharted fan and that's what you're waiting for that might be what made you jump but you've already got your Playstation 3 if that's the yeah. case you're yeah, not exactly. a, you're not a convert to Playstation to get Uncharted 4 yep. you're, you're upgrading it's like you you might jump because Fable 2 was what made you jump to the 360 yeah it might be Fable Legends or whatever it's called that'll get you to the but yeah, I doubt it but there might be something but going back to Nintendo though but they're the ones that seem to if they can tap the market and do something special that everyone goes oh that's a new experience I want to try that the trouble is though they've kind of half-assed it they've kind of got the 3DS but they haven't really done enough with the 3DS and they've got the Wii U and they haven't really done enough with the Wii U it's like they probably need to drop one of them and just concentrate everything on the other ones well the 3DS has sold a lot 
So there's a shitload of those out there. Pokemon is massive. They don't have to touch that. That's still a successful thing. What else is there in handheld gaming other than eye devices, really? The Vita, or whatever it's called. But there was no mention of the Vita on the Well, that's all connected. That and the... Well, this is where it's... I mean, Sony have that integration. And something they did release or talk about is the PlayStation TV or Sony TV or whatever they're calling it, which is essentially an Apple TV to integrate. And that'll work with your PlayStation, your Vita, and your PS3. So hardware-wise, that's interesting, whether it's people need it or whatever. Speaking of something similar to that, I had a little disposable income on the weekend and a friend on Facebook mentioned he picked up a Chromecast. I said, what's that? Google Chromecast. It's a little device, a Google Chrome device that's essentially like an Apple TV. Okay. It's like, oh, I asked him how much, where'd you get it from? Because I thought it was, it was like, a, not a Kickstarter because it's Google, but it was yeah. a, a sort of an online thing at the start, $35, and you got a three month Netflix membership with it. And it's so popular when it first came out, they had to get rid of the membership oh, thing okay. because too many people took it up. But yeah, they're at, locally here at JB for 50 bucks. So I went, I got a JB down the road. I've got 50 bucks. I'm going to go have a go. I, I love a good gadget. So it's early days. Yeah. I just thought I'd, it'd be nice to have another media streaming device. That's what I wanted it for. Yeah. So I've got the Xbox on one television where I stream everything from my PC. And but, you've got Netflix on there as well. And Netflix. So I need to get something for the TV in the bedroom. It's like, well, if I can stream into there, that means you know we can both watch things maybe so yep. i'll give it a go i've played around with it a bit it's not i'm using all free apps at the moment and i can't quite get it to work there's a couple of paid apps out there like plex and things like that which is essentially like diversity and those sort of things where you do it so i might buy the bulletin pay for an app just to get it to work it sort of does something i've got a connect full game i can play on the tv <laughs> it'll pick up your like your photos from your iphone okay. and put them up there and pick up music from your your iphone as well and put them together and make a slideshow so you, very basic thing like that at the moment you've got an android phone don't you i do so there'd be more apps for you because it is google google yeah there are some for the iphone and it's it's early days okay. whether they won't <coughs> support the iphone as much but i mean they want people using it they're not going to restrict it too much yeah i'll keep trying and keep looking it's early days yet okay we'll we'll see what it does at the moment it's, it's interesting i it's, i've got the crackle app that was for free which is a it's like a free netflix almost with a very limited amount of stuff but it's got- yeah, I think Crackle's um, affiliated with one studio or something like that. It might be Warner Brothers or just someone, but it's a, a limited range of what you can watch on it. But when I say limited, it's actually got quite a few movies and TV shows on there. Yeah, but, but there for is- free, it's amazing. Like, I watched The Hard Boiled from 1983, the animated film. Yeah. And it's the full movie is just there to watch. Yeah, there is the Crackle app on the 360, and I did watch Idle Hands back when I first got but the But like you said, it's, it's not yeah, HD. It's, it's not HD, and it is a little bit poor quality. And when there is so much other stuff available, it's kind of like... Because you can get a Crackle this. app on the phone itself or yeah. on the iPad and watch it, and it probably looks all right on the iPad. Yeah, exactly. But you put it on a big 46-inch TV, and yeah, you... Yeah, and so that's, that's something that makes me think, do you really need this? Because... You could quite easily stream Tiversity or uh, Air Video onto your iPad and just sit in bed and watch your iPad. If you want to hold it. True. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. I'm trying to find that thing where you use your iPhone as a remote to the TV to yeah. watch what you want to do. I mean, there are some games, and they're very basic games at the moment, like Centipede and those sort of things, <laughs> where you use your phone as the controller and the TV okay. is the thing. So, the technology is there. Yeah. It just has to be utilised and utilised well. So, you okay. know, this might be the early stages of something, but mm. I like to try things. So, yeah. yes, it's not a success yet, but I'll keep playing with it. 
Alrighty. Well, speaking of TV, that's probably a good time to jump into what we've been watching. There has been a few big TV moments just over the last few weeks. Yeah. One of them being the end of the current season of Game of Thrones. Yep. So we probably won't go spoilers in case people haven't watched it, but I was impressed with the ending. In fact, uh, it's still good. Yeah, I was impressed with the whole season. There was a, a, a little bit of a lull earlier on, and I got to the point where I was a little bit annoyed that they would progress someone's storyline in one episode, and then you wouldn't see them the next week, and then you'd have to wait like two weeks to see them again. Yep. But my wife, who's read the books, was like, well, that's how it is in the books as well. You'd like mention someone, and then it'll be chapters away before you get to pick up what they're doing again. But uh, it's still quality television. We can't really go into spoilers about everything, but yes, don't get attached to anyone. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. You never know who's safe and who isn't. Mm. But speaking of HBO shows, I've actually just finished Silicon Valley as well, which followed on from Game of Thrones on HBO in the States. And we had that here on the Comedy Network here in Australia. And... I think you watched the first episode. I watched episode. the pilot, and that's as far as I got. Yeah. I mean, not that I didn't want to get any more. I just haven't got around to it. Well, I watched the pilot, and I was a little bit disappointed about the you pilot. You were whelmed? Yeah. Or underwhelmed? Underwhelmed, I think. The fact that I'd listened so was to... the status... That's normal? I don't think... Because you can be overwhelmed. And you can, and you be, can underwhelmed. be underwhelmed. I just can don't you think be you whelmed? can be whelmed. You can't be whelmed? Oh, I can't be whelmed. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. But I'd heard a lot about it leading into it. Well, your man crushes on it. Well, two of your man crushes are on it. Two of my man crushes. I really like TJ Miller. I really like. He was on... Turned up on the soup on the episode we're watching tonight, and he got a bit tight in the pants. Oh, I'm always tight in the pants. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I've seen TJ... Or I've heard TJ Miller a few times on the Doug Loves Movies podcast and I always think he's quite funny and he just has that sort of character about him and speaking of man crushes your man crush Kamal Nanjiani is like yours but yes we we do love our Kamal but yeah he's in the first couple of episodes of Silicon Valley he wasn't much of a character he didn't really get to do much but then as the series progressed he like really came into his own we we love Kamal he does a podcast with his wife called The Indoor Kids which is about computer games which is quite funny he's a stand-up comic and actor he seems to be in everything at the moment and he's also a regular on the Harmontown podcast which is one of our faves and he's just started a new podcast himself called The X-Files Files, which is him going through not all episodes, just the ones he wants to talk about, but that's only like three episodes in. And he's just fucking funny. Like, yeah. his turn of phrase and the way he speaks is just hilarious. So Yeah, he's in the show as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as I said, I was expecting more from him, I think, in the first episode. And I was a little bit disappointed after that first one, and I thought, well, maybe it's not worth picking up. And then I'd sort of looked, and it was only like eight episodes in the season, and I thought, eight episodes, half an hour each, I can do this. And it's Mike and Judge, yeah? Yeah, it is. So Mike, it's the creator Mike Judge, of, creator of... Beaver some butthead. Office Space. And apparently, before he got into television, he was like a bit of a, a, a coder back in the early days of computer stuff, and it's based around that premise that these people have created this new app kind of thing and just them selling it to a a multi-million dollar company and seeing where they go from there but the humor in it was great the fact that it's hbo they can get away with just the language and And from what i gather the greatest dick joke ever yeah put to television the the final episode is pretty much 25 minutes of a half an hour episode is this one dick joke (laughs) so that's worth it alone okay I, i will get to it i just haven't Hmm. So yeah, I really, I really liked that by the time it it got on. So yeah. okay. Other than that, I haven't been watching a lot of TV. I know you've put a couple of things on the uh, the list here that you've started watching. Yeah, only about seven years behind, but we finally watched Jekyll, which was written by Stephen Moffat. Yeah, when you wrote James that on Nes- the Nesbitt. when you wrote that on the uh, run sheet, I was like, oh, is that a new show? 
And no. then I realised that, no, you've no, just no, been... No, no, I'm just a bit behind. Been behind, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's... Obviously, it's the same guy who's doing Doctor Who at the moment, and he did Sherlock. So he did the modern take on Sherlock. This yeah. is what he did back then. It was a modern take on the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde storyline. And James Nesbitt playing Jekyll and Hyde is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, his acting is great. The premise was fantastic. The start of it was awesome. Like, first few episodes... It's only six episodes long, six or eight. His, his name rings a bell. What's he from? Nesbitt. Yeah. Stuff. He's Cold Feet, I think. Scottish actor? Yeah. yeah. I think he he's, was he the guy from The Mummy? I think he might have been this thing. In the, anyway. I think we may have had this conversation once before. I don't know Probably. if it was on the show or not. It's, <laughs> it's interesting, yes. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and... Mitch and Joe discuss character actors. We have no <laughs> idea who they are. Yeah, so... Uh, and it was really good. Bit of a week ending. Like, yeah. Like the premise worked and like, oh, yeah, I like what you did and I like that and things, but could have probably been four episodes and really okay. punchier where like what he's done with Sherlock, it's, it's, he's a better writer. Like this is the same guy who wrote Press Gang 20 years ago. So it's not like he's a new writer. All right. I, I understand that. He created coupling. You know, the guy has runs on the board. I'm not yeah. going to diss that. I just think it probably could have been four. Okay. And could diss it down a little bit more, but it, it was, it was worth okay. it. Okay. I checked it out. And something else is I just started watching a new show called Penny Dreadful, which is British, but full swearing in that as well. So I'm not sure what Sky TV, I think it is. English people in general just swear a lot. Yeah, but they don't can't drop the F-bomb on the BBC, can they? I don't know. Maybe after a certain time. Oh, maybe after Channel the 4, they probably can. Yeah, so it's, I think it was Sky, though. Okay. So maybe it's equivalent of HBO over there, as in a paid service. I'm not sure. Maybe. And it's essentially um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Okay. Yeah, so you've got Timothy Dalton playing Mina Harker's father. And Mina Harker's um, the girl from the Dracula storyline. Okay. So... Portia de Rossi in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's father, essentially, or Winona Ryder's character in the Dracula movie, Ram Stoker's Dracula's father. So the first episode has him trying to going. There's all these vampires in London, Victorian London, and he hires a gunslinger, which is very similar to the movie version of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with Tom Sawyer, but no, and it's Josh Arnett playing him, and he's a gunslinger going off to fight vampires in the first episode. So it's sort of like, I don't know how many other literature references or other things they're going to bring into this storyline, but it was pretty full on. Oh, there's Dorian Gray's in there as well, so it's it's, it's sort of a few references there. So it's pretty much ripping off Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but I'm intrigued and pretty gross, like full on stuff going like graphically dissections and dead bodies and all this sort of stuff so I'm intrigued my wife not so much she was a bit it's a bit full on but yeah I'm, I'm definitely keen and because it's English it's going to be short yeah exactly which is always handy that's be Game of Thrones always leaves you wanting more there's no filler episodes Okay. Yeah, I've heard a bit of a buzz of that. A couple of people mentioned it on Facebook, and I thought I knew nothing about it. Now I do. All righty. Well, that's probably TV. Yeah. What about movies, Mitch? Have I seen anything? I'm just looking at the list here. Well, since the last time, I think. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been about a month since we okay. recorded. Well, I, I've seen Godzilla, the big, biggest of biggest movie stars there are, and it's okay. Didn't you go like half an hour before you actually saw the lizard? Probably longer. Not that he's a lizard. No, he's not a lizard. Not in this version. Isn't he fat in this version? Oh, that's what the Japanese are saying, that he was too fat. Because he's American and he eats cheeseburgers. Yeah, maybe. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful-looking film in certain ways. Like Some of the bits are done really well. It's I've seen a couple of the original Toho Godzilla films. So there's sort of... A, I got an expectation. For yeah. it. The thing about a Godzilla film is a force of nature. Godzilla is a force of nature, essentially. And with the Japanese versions, generally you have a threat, Godzilla will turn up, do something, and in between you have all this human story that's just filler between the big final battle at the end. Aren't the Japanese ones, though, an analogy for... 
you know, how humans are fucking up the environment. And yeah, pretty Godzilla much. I mean, is... it was all about the a bomb. The yeah. first Godzilla was all about the atomic bomb. Yeah. And it's, a, it's essentially the force that is. It's an unstoppable force that we can't control. Okay. And that's what Godzilla was. And then it became an environmental thing. And this, and it picked up on that more than the, the 98 Roland Emmerich version was not very good. It was a giant lizard. They just didn't get the concept that Godzilla is this force of nature, this unstoppable force that we are irrelevant to it. This movie definitely did that. They okay. really did that really, really well. It's sort of like, like, there's bits there where he doesn't care. He's killing people, destroying property because it's not property to him. It's not a bill. He's got an objective to do to save the world. And it's irrelevant what he's destroying along the way because he has to get to what he has to get to. And that, that element is fantastic. I love those sort of things. It's got Kick-Ass in it, the, the <laughs> actor who played Kick-Ass. And, I mean, he's the plot device. And okay. it's just, he's either the luckiest, unluckiest cunt or the unluckiest, lucky cunt <laughs> in the world. I don't know. Because it's just his plot. It's like, oh, I'm going to, oh, I fell into this thing here that takes me to the next part where Godzilla happens to be as well. And that's going to take me to here. And it's going to take me to here to where my wife is. And that's where Godzilla is. It's just like, really? <laughs> it could have not tightened that up a little bit more and made a bit more less convenient that side of it it's, it's almost very Toho in the 60s and their versions of the movies it's just like a bit eh you could have done better but okay I mean it, it, I sort of the um, IMAX because I wanted to see it as big as possible and loud as possible and it, it was rewarding for what it was am I going to buy it on DVD no do I really need to hurry to see it again no probably not but something I might would be X-Men Days of Future Past and I've also been to see this as well, so mm-hmm. we can have a bit of a, a discussion because I had a, a trip to the cinema, which is unlike me. I really enjoyed it. I saw the original trailers probably earlier in the year, and I saw it and thought, yeah, this looks great. And my wife was like, oh, I don't think we'll go and see that. And she actually went and saw it with her mum and before I saw it, and then she was like, all right, I'll see it again with you because it was actually pretty good. So <laughs> she didn't see Hugh Jackman's bum again, which Larry from the Non-Canonical podcast thought, he should be a hairier bum. He was, uh, he was upset <laughs> that it's such a smooth bum because it's Wolverine. He's hairy. Why is his bum exactly. not hairy? <laughs> yeah. No, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was paced quite well. There was only one bit in the middle that I felt dragged a little. I thought the acting was good. I thought the crossovers between, like, the modern uh, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart mixed with... The McAvoy and Fassbender. I think James McAvoy's a really good actor. I just love Fassbender. I'd watch him. I didn't think there was enough of him, though. Which made him even better. When he walks in with the fedora, you know, he's just... Because, I mean, in the original, that's what Magneto wore in the original X-Men. Yeah. Had the fedora and everything. The fact that they go back to those sort of things again, but Fassbender just, he's just charismatic. He's just awesome. Yeah. What I dug, and Wolverine is a major plot point in it, but he doesn't get to do a lot. But he's, he just looks cool. Like, he's Elvis. Yeah. The hair's there, and it's, it's set in the 70s, like... X-Men First Class was set in the 60s, and I love that about it. Like, the 60s tech and the 60s everything about it made it fun to watch. Watching a superhero movie set in a different period than now, and then watching this one, which is set in the 70s, it was just even fun again, just with the cars, and, you know, and, and McAvoy was sort of John Lennon-ish, and yeah, sort of weird, where... Quicksilver with his Pink Floyd t-shirt. Yeah, and Pink... Oh, Quicksilver was fantastic in this, just for that one scene, goes yeah. there for that alone. Yeah. And basically, it's great, because you're thinking the Avengers were so good, and the Avengers and the X-Men movies are both going to have Quicksilver in it. They've got that... They're allowed to both have Quicksilver as a character. Yeah. So they've definitely put the challenge out to the Avengers movies. Say, all right, here's how to do Quicksilver. If you can top it, good luck. So it's a great scene. And it's just... Yeah. So probably the best in the movie. I think so. Yeah. So that, that was really good. And I just love watching it in the 70s. It's like, I want to see more period movies. Like, I'd love to 
see a Daredevil in the 70s in, in New York because that would be interesting. I'd yeah. love to see Power Man and those ground level superheroes like yeah, from exactly. Marvel in the 70s New York, not in the modern New York times, yeah. you know. But, you know, it's got to make money. But X-Men's pretty safe. They can do that sort of thing. So the next one, which, you know, if you, if you don't, haven't seen it yet, and you, and you probably have, but if you haven't and you don't know to stay after the credits, there is a sequence after that, which leads into another film coming. There's one X-Men Apocalypse, it's called, and that's going to be set in 1983. So it's going to be a period piece again, and I'd love to see what they do with that 80s version of Wolverine and those sort of people. Yeah. It's funny, because we were talking before we started recording, where I didn't know a lot of the storyline of the Days of Future Past, and I didn't know a lot about the Bolivar Trask character that Peter Dinklage plays in the movie, and I was like, well, in the comics, is he a dwarf sort of thing? And I and, honestly didn't know. Yeah. So, I don't think he was. Yeah, I think that's a bit of strange casting. If Well, I did isn't. read a piece about it and it was like Brian Singer. He approached him because he's sort of, why does he hate mutants? He's almost a mutant himself in the fact that he's not which is considered normal. Yeah, okay. You know? And that it was sort sense. of a twist on that take. And it was sort of like, a, just through, why has he got this hatred or desire to study and think mutants? So interesting. And he's a bit of a name, geek culture and all that sort of stuff. He was yeah. fine. He There's was no good. reason like he him. can't be in it. Because yeah, when they cast him, because they didn't say who it was everyone thought it was going to be Puck which is sort of like this a dwarf character in okay. the X-Men universe and they go oh it's going to be Puck and no it wasn't obviously it was someone else but yeah he was fine okay well speaking of superhero movies and on the other end of the scale of movie that I watched and I was a little bit disappointed by I finally got around to watching Man of Steel Mm-hmm. And I've listened you to you are talk in the about lounge now. Yes, talking. I'd listened to you mention what you thought of Man of Steel when it came out. Yeah, and I've heard a couple of other reviews talk about what they thought of Man of Steel, and really, I was a bit disappointed. I was expecting it to be better. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting it to be good. I thought Russell Crowe was probably the standout good thing about it. I like Rusty. It's sort of weird because other people love Kevin Costner and thought his performance was great, and I don't get it myself i thought rusty was fun and no i enjoyed that bit of it I, I think i'm ready to watch it again and i think i'll see it very differently now i know what to expect but going in not knowing expecting a superman movie and getting that i yeah. was kind of disappointed because it was just not what i was expecting and it threw me out mm. as far as this isn't my superman what are you doing yeah. this this doesn't feel right this doesn't feel right now i know what to expect i reckon i'll probably enjoy it more by going all right this is a new superman and yeah. it's one i can and they didn't really even call him Superman until probably, what, two hours into they the movie? Well, they call it Naomi, they call Superman, and that's it. Yeah. They don't call it once. And this is where fucking Goya can fuck <laughs> off. Goya, the writer of the... I'm not a fan. Like, he wrote the Batman movies for Nolan, but yep. they're not great scripts. Yeah. It's, yeah. You're, you're, a, you're a jerk. <laughs> it kind of it looked good at the start like the effects look really crisp but then by the end of it I, I just felt it was so disjointed it's just the fact that they're jumping back to when he was in high in school and then he uh, told yeah. the story in a way I, I didn't yeah. mind I mean that that's aspect was there it's just yeah. so many aspects there I question going why would that happen and why would you do that they spent like you were meant to care about characters that didn't matter like Lois Lane you know she doesn't show that she's a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter yeah they tell you she is yeah it's not through any actions of hers or oh my god yeah I believe that she is it's only the fact that they say oh it's a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter it's like well okay you must be because you've told me she is yeah yeah and she's got no character she doesn't really have much time to you get Perry White and Jenny Olsen there's no Jimmy Olsen they've got a girl yeah. photographer in there but they don't even call her a name she's, she's Jenny in it I only found out after the fact that she's Jenny Olsen and she's stuck under rubble at the end and Perry saves her on this big swelling moment where it's like who cares we've spent two minutes with these characters they've done no plot development with them whatsoever it doesn't matter 
Yep. Like, like they're just, it's not balanced as a film. Like, you're, you're well, trying to force this gravitas onto the characters we don't give a shit about, and we're spending all this time over here, which doesn't matter, and it just... Yeah, because there was that big battle, and it was kind of like, that felt like it should be the end, but then there was another big battle afterwards. Yeah, so yeah. There's, there's a little, the balance was off somewhere and there was a yeah the big difference between watching a DC film and watching a Marvel film is there's no humour well yeah well, there exactly was, that's yeah. why everyone loves Dark Knight so much because the Joker is hilarious yeah and so good but go back and watch it people after the Joker leaves there's still a half hour of film in that movie and it's <laughs> fucking Two-Face and it's shit yes yeah so yeah the other thing like two gags like Rusty is great like when he's in the ship and he's directing him through that's yep. kind of funny and the bit where he destroys a guy's truck it's like two yeah. jokes in the movie. Yeah. And it definitely needs human. That's why I'm hoping with the slate, the rumoured slate of DC films that we'll get more confirmation in the next couple of weeks with Shazams and Aquamans and Justice Leagues and Man of Steel 2s and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. We'll move towards something and Goya will get his fucking hands off it. Because, <laughs> I mean, you read reports from Goya and, like, well, how we did... Uh, Attack different character, how he'd write this character, how he'd write that character, and he's fucking embarrassed. It's like, oh, what's the name? You know, Martian Manhunter. I wouldn't use this. I do this. He'd grow in a lab. He's not a Martian. He's not. A- it's like, then don't fucking write it. If you if you don't want to use any of the mythos, just don't bother. Create well, your own character. Exactly, because he he would do one where he wrote a script called Supermax, which nearly got made a few times, and it's about Green Arrow going into jail. He got arrested, so he's gone into jail with all the people he's put away. So it's a it's a prison movie, and it's called Supermax with Green Arrow where he doesn't wear an outfit once yeah it's like don't, don't yeah just you don't need to be Green Arrow exactly it could be just a fucking prison movie called Supermax so it's just yeah he's he's just don't touch it if you're, if you're embarrassed to play in this yard don't do it mm. you know let other people who care so that's why I'm hoping Ben Affleck has gone and bought on his Argo writer yeah to Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice which is the next film he's he's come on board so hopefully that's if anything like I, I don't mind Ben Affleck as Batman but if anything if him bringing on a scriptwriter with some gags and some plot and some balance if that anything else if that's all he brings then he's done his job hopefully fingers crossed yes well disappointing movies aside I have actually seen two fairly recent <coughs> releases mm-hmm. and one of them I've now seen twice in very quick succession because we watched the Lego movie at home now that it's out on DVD yep. and my son was a little bit sick over the weekend and had a bit of a cold and we decided that we were just going to chill out and watch some movies so we watched the Lego movie and he'd previously seen it in the school holidays last school holidays his grandma took him to see it at the cinema and he quite liked it and you know we've watched it together and then the next day he was feeling a little bit off colour and he was like well maybe we could watch the Lego movie again so I've now sat down and watched the Lego movie twice and I really liked it I want to see it there's a bit at the end where it kind of goes quite dark and I was like well this is a bit weird for a kids movie yeah but what did we watch as kids we watched Empire Strikes Back (laughs) exactly but no I really enjoyed it I like the fact that everything in it is Lego I saw Mad Max when I was six (laughs) that explains it but no it's not like the previous like Lego shorts and stuff and shit And crystally, <laughs> no, um, yeah, everything is Lego in the in the previous like Lego games, movies, and stuff like that, and even Clutch Powers. Like the backgrounds don't look like Lego; it's basically just mini figs around. But this actually looks like everything stop Lego. motion Lego made into a movie, mm-hmm. and the humor of it was really quite good. I really like Liam Neeson's Good Cop, Bad Cop. 
I thought he was very good. No, He's no, like a, a, a schizophrenic sort of... Okay. ...with a face on each side of his head and he spins it around and it's like partly okay. good cop, partly bad cop. There's a character from a TV show they watch who's like the guy that doesn't find his pants or something and <laughs> my seven-year-old loves him because his whole premise is the TV show. He walks around with his undies and a shirt on and goes, Honey, where are my pants? And, yeah, that appeals to a seven-year-old. That would be better in Man of Steel. Yeah, probably. No, that was really good. I I quite enjoyed that. Will Farrell's quite good, both as a voice and a live-action person at the end. So, yeah, Mm. I'd say highly recommend the Lego movie. Excellent. And the song in it will just get stuck in your head. Everyone says that. And another new release that I've watched... I watched the Grand Budapest Hotel. What made you do that? I don't know. I don't see you as a Wes Anderson fan. No, I think I got confused. <laughs> with Paul W.S. Anderson? Yes, with Paul Thomas Anderson or Paul Thompson, whatever his and name Paul is. Paul Thomas Anderson did um, Boogie Nights. And there Will Be Blood. Right? Yeah. Or did he do the other one? I think that's him. And then there's... Oh. Wes Anderson did Fantastic Mr. Fox and yes. a few other things. Like, I totally confused it. I thought, yep, I like, Wes, I like Wes Anderson. I watched this film. And then when I IMDb'd him at the end, I realized I'd never seen any of his work. I remember I saw... I never saw Bottle Rocket, but the, which is his first. And then I saw Rushmore. Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. Luke Wilson written one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, I'd seen none of it but I don't know I quite liked Grand Budapest Hotel it was it was not something that I probably would have rushed out and seen if I knew a bit more about it I liked some of the actors in it well I mean I yeah because I saw Rushmore and I thought it was interesting like it was sort of like I was going through an arty phase anyway so I was like oh this is kind of interesting and then I saw Royal Tenenbaums and it's really that slow-paced quirkiness that's strange. And I liked that when my wife hated it. And then I saw Life Aquatic and I really dug that one. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I think I like this guy. And then I saw Darjeeling Limited and he broke me. It's like, yeah. no, nah, this is shit. But this looks kind of arty. And there's a couple of scenes where you can tell that what they're doing isn't really happening. It's kind of almost like watching an old movie where they use like cardboard cutouts on a background or something oh, like he's, that. Oh, it's strange. There's a, I mean, in Life Aquatic, there's a bit where it goes, this is my boat and... You've got a cutout of a boat, and the camera's just panning around as you're looking at this sideways cutout of a. Set, yeah, but this is they're, they're in one bit where they're in a cable car, and it's kind of like you can see that it's not a real cable car. But Ray Fiennes was good. Um, it's a hell of a Ad- cast. Adrian, Adrian Brody, Adrian, what's Adrian. His name? Adrian Brody was good as the like the the bad guy. There was quite a strange role for Edward Norton playing a Nazi with an American accent. It's funny because Ray Fiennes is the main character in it, and he used this expression that just cracked me up when he said it, and. He, he referred to someone as being shaking like a dog shitting. And I thought, well, that's a great line. And then I was listening to a podcast after I watched the movie and they used the expression as well. So I don't know if they'd seen the movie or whether it's a common thing and I just hadn't heard it before. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, but I don't really know why I enjoyed it. <laughs> if that's strange praise for a movie. Yeah, I mean, it's like that. And that's the thing. I like the others. Like like I said, the, the other Nicole movies Kidman I watched movies. No. no, not Nicole Kidman's The Others. No. no. So, yeah, but I'm intrigued by this one. Yeah, but Darjeeling Limited broke me as okay. a movie. Now, yes, Paul Thomas Anderson, who you were looking for, he yeah. directed There Will Be Blood, Magnolia, Boogie Nights, The Master. And then you've got Paul W.S. Anderson, okay. who directed, and this is probably more in my wheelhouse of movies that I like. He did um, the Mortal Kombat movie. Okay. He did Event Horizon, Resident Evil, Aliens vs. Predator, which is shit. Death Race, which is shit. Death Race 2000 <laughs> much better. And all the Resident Evil movies. The Three Musketeers and Pompeii and he's married to Mila Jovovich. Okay. Yeah, that's why she's in all these films. 
So yeah, I, as I said, I'm, I'm not sure why I watched it in the end, but I'm kind of glad I did. Because you got your Addison's right. Yeah. But yeah, you got something new and different. I did. And it was probably something I wouldn't have watched and I kind of enjoyed it. Anyway, so that's me. Oh, there's one other movie I can talk about. I was just on telly the other day and just it kicked in. I finished watching something and then a movie started and I was like, oh, the big hit. I haven't seen that in ages and end up staying up and watching the whole fucking thing. And I love that movie. It's a good movie, isn't it? But yeah, it's it's Mark Wahlberg at his naive best. It's like he's just such a quirky character. Like he's, I thought his character in Pain and Gain was a lot like the character. I haven't seen the kid. So. Yeah, but it's just bizarre. Lou Diamond Phillips is awesome, awesome chewing up it? scenery and action. is like pre. I mean, there's some CG in it, and it's very mid '90s CG. But apart from that, it's like kind of real. And the action scenes were quite exciting at the start. Yeah, good soundtrack. Does it ho- yeah, it does it hold up? modern if you haven't seen it I mean it's nostalgic for me I know it's hard to believe that something from 15 years ago is nostalgic but yeah it was it was fun to go back and watch it again I enjoyed it mm. and it's been a while since I've watched it I've got it on DVD so maybe I should dig it up again and watch it I really enjoyed it mm. Mm. well I was planning on having a trip to the movies just recently yep but that kind of fell through at the last minute but I had to go to the footy and we won by a point it was fucking awesome but I was going to go and see screw your drug cheats <laughs> People won't understand that, will they? Probably not. <laughs> anyway, I was going to go and see Westworld at the Astor because I realised it's one of those science fiction classics that I've never seen. But I missed out on seeing it at the big screen, so I'm now going to have to revert to watching that at home. Mm. And that will lead us into next month, we're going to do another cult movie challenge. And we're actually going to watch four science fiction movies that two of them I haven't seen. And, well, four of them I haven't seen and two of them you haven't seen. Yep. So over the coming months, to lead into next month's episode, we're going to watch Westworld, which Westworld. is your Brenner. Yep. Jurassic Park. Are we? No, no you, you'll see. <laughs> okay. I, th- I thought you were saying we were going to watch Jurassic Park. No, but I've no. Seen that. Soil and Green, mm-hmm. which I know pretty much nothing about other than a few jokes they've made on The Simpsons. Actually, you probably know the twist. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to watch two modern science fiction movies that neither of us have seen in Moon, which is... David Bowie's David kids Bowie's movie. Kid. I don't yep. even know what his name is. Dylan something, is it? Zoe Bowie's brother. Zoe Bowie's brother, yes. Yes. We're going to watch Moon and With we're going to watch Rockwell. another one which I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Some people say Primer, some people say Primer. I'd say Primer. I think it's Primer, but a time travel movie that came out a couple of years ago now. Made on a budget of nothing. Yeah. Which, apparently the physics and it's very clever. So. Yeah, so we're going to watch those and then next month we're going to get back together and we're going to dissect them and see what we think. So you can watch any of those films if you want to keep up. Yes. Or none. Or none. That's fine. (laughs) Just to stick it to us. But anyway, so that's leading into next month. But that's pretty much all we've got time for this month. We will just throw out a quick little mention at the end of the show. A bit of a sad note that voiceover legend and radio DJ Casey Kasem actually passed away over the weekend. Well, I've grown up listening to him. I was never a big fan of the American Top 40, but I listened anyway. Yeah. But he's the voice of Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. He was Robin in the Super Friends. He was... Who else did he do? He did... He's done lots and lots of voiceovers. But yeah, Shaggy and Robin and Cliffjumper in the 80s Transformers. He just has a very distinctive voice that you probably... You would recognize his voice even if you didn't know who he was. So yeah, he was quite a, a famous cartoon voiceover actor and he was a radio DJ. And a very distinctive voice and will be sorely missed. So I think as a, a bit of a tribute, we're going to dig up some of his best work. Well, I never had no idea what you were talking about when you talked about it, but it's like, okay, 
And you played it for me before, so you're in for a treat, people. Yeah, so we're going to put uh, Negative Lands U2 as the song of the week at the end of the episode. But that's pretty much all we have time for this month. If you have any comments for us, feel free to drop us a line on our Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. Look for us on Stitcher and iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And yeah, we'll catch you next month. Bye-bye. Now, we're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio. And here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. That's the letter U and the numeral 2. The four-man band features Adam Clayton on bass, Larry Mullen on drums, Dave Evans, nicknamed The Edge, on... This is bullshit. Nobody cares. These guys are from England, and who gives a shit? Oh, my God. Just a lot of wasted names that don't mean diddly shit. I, for sure, for sure, you don't know where you're this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Diddly shit. Diddly shit. Diddly shit. Diddly shit. Nobody cares.